Well, good evening. Good evening. It is good to have each and every one out with us for our second half of our worship service. If you have your Bibles, be opening up with me to Romans chapter 5. <clears throat> Romans chapter 5. That's what we're going to begin tonight. And I want us to think about two words. When we, uh, when we think about our spirituality, we think about our connection to God and the things that, that it actually cost God. We hope we're refreshed in those things, not, not to be burdensome with them. For as we've been commanded to not grieve the, the Spirit, but to be thankful for the things God has done for us. How do we show that thankfulness? By, of course, by being obedient to His Word. And as we are, as we are obedient children, we have blessings. We're going to talk about two blessings tonight. Well, before we get into those blessings, how many of us are thankful that we have the peace of mind of salvation? How many of us are uh, mindful of your destination? And it's a good one. That's a blessing as a child of God to know that heaven waits for you. We find that we can know very well that, that heaven waits for us in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, to, be, to, to know that salvation waits for the children of God, those who believe in the name of Jesus, and that we should continue to believe in the name of Jesus and to continue to do the works as a child of God. As we do those works, these benefits are there waiting for us. So Romans chapter 5 uh, we're going to have to back up in uh, chapter 4. Uh, let's see. In verse 22. <clears throat> to get a little bit of context of chapter 5 and the first few verses. Uh, verse 22 of Romans chapter 4. <clears throat> and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone, not that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. All right, let's stop right there in verse 2. Notice what was said in verse 23. Jesus was delivered up because of our offenses. The things that we do, even the things that we don't wish to do, but those sinful acts that we choose to do, and as we turn away from those things, Jesus was offered for those offenses. As we learn, Christ being our propitiation, Him paying our sin debt, that's the reason why He was offered up. But folks, He didn't stay in the grave, did He? He did not stay there. God raised Him after, that, after those three days of being in the Hadean world and to walk this world a few days later and ascend to the right hand of His Father. And was raised because of our justification. That is such a wonderful word. That's a wonderful word that I'm thankful is in the English in the dictionary, in the English language. I'm glad it's there. There's some words I wish that weren't in there, but this is one of them that I'm glad is there. Now, do we really fully grasp the gravity or the meaning of your justification? 
Justification means you didn't do anything to deserve this justification. Yes, we fall short. Yes, we sin. Yes, we're disobedient to God on multiple occasions on a daily basis, even on an hourly basis, and we're, we don't wish to. It's not our mindset to do so, but we do fall short. But God allowed the access of justification. As we plead our case, as we repent of those things that we are aware of, God forgives us. And we stand justified in His eyes. Are we still sinners? Yes, we are. We're justified sinners. Now those out there in the world do not have this, this blessing. It does not have this uh, positive thought. Those who are lost, those who are of the world, they don't have access to this justification yet. But if they choose to come to Christ, if they choose to be obedient to a heavenly Father and His commands, they can have justification if they follow Mark 16 and 16. Yes, I know Romans chapter 5 says nothing about immersion. It's already implied. I know there's a lot of folks who are going to say, well, my faith saves me. And my faith in God's grace is going to save me. Yes, those things working together will save you. But you've got to get access to that grace, right? You've got to be justified, right? So in the absence of justification, you can't be saved. Whereas Christ was raised up because of our justification. Verse 5, 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The example, the, the, the hymn in verse 22 of Romans chapter 4 is Abraham. What did Abraham do to show his faith? Remember a, a big act that Abraham did to, to, to show his faith in God? I can think of several, but two really jumps off the page. One of them is pretty much anybody can do. Pretty much anybody can do Genesis chapter 12. When, the, when God tells Abraham to leave his father's house and to leave him to go to a country that I'm going to show you. He didn't know where he was going. God was going to show him and he rose and went. Anybody can do that. I mean, God, God tells you to do something and you do it. But that Genesis chapter 22, that one jumps off the page. Whenever he offers... His son Isaac as a burnt offering when God told him to do so. He tested his faith. And Abraham, I, I think it's jump off the page worthy when he rises early in the morning to do it. He was ready. Was he ready to kill his son? No, he was not ready to kill his son. He loved Isaac. But guess what? He done it anyway because God told him, go off your son as a burnt sacrifice, sacrifice or a burnt offering. You're right, Brother Mark. He was, regardless of any type of outcome, he was ready to serve God. How do we stay? Are we ready to serve God? Are we ready to access this justification by our faithful observance to God's commands? We need to look within ourselves sometimes and make some change. Sometimes we need to make some course corrections in our spiritual path, if you will. Are we that Christian that we should be? Well, I'm going to say for myself, no. I'm, I'm going to speak for myself. I'm going to say, no, I'm not that child of God that I should be. It should, it's, it's my goal to reach that Genesis chapter 22 child of God. 
Am I there yet? I'm not there yet. Is it my goal? Yes, I'm striving for it. Each and every one of us are. Justification must happen as you stand before God on judgment day. In the absence of justification, in the absence of justification, you're guilty of your sins. And we understand very well, the scriptures tell us very well of the outcome of someone who is outside of Christ and God's Son. The outcome of that is grim. You condemn yourselves by your sinful acts. We condemn ourselves by letting sin enter into our lives even after becoming immersed, even after becoming that, the, the following instructions of Mark 16, 16. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Who believes not is condemned already. Belief and baptism working together. Here we only see belief. Wait a minute, my, my faith and, 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 and grace. God's grace is the thing that saves me. Whenever we look at the Bible, and we study God's Word. Do we really pick and choose of the words and the Scriptures that we really want to listen to? I hope not. I hope we listen to it to its entirety. Because if we go to picking and choosing, we're removing parts of the instructions from God for ourselves. We can't do that. For our warnings and our instructions in Revelation says that if you take anything away from God's instructions, your name will be taken out of the book of life. Remember this morning, the outcome of those individuals who are not found in the written in the book of life. Don't remove anything, whether through your studies or the application to your life in your reading, and don't remove anything. I'm not saying you have to remember it word for word. That's, that's not what I'm saying. That's near impossible when it comes to your salvation, you can't remove immersion. You can't remove baptism for the remission of sins. You can't remove it. For Christ, whenever He tells us, that's how we put Him on. That's how we get our access to God's grace. Therefore, having been justified by faith. How was Abraham justified by faith? Was it just his Belief only? No, he was justified by offering his son, by drawing back that knife, and he was going to kill him, and the angel, and, and the Lord stopped him. He said, don't harm the lad. He was going to do it. He was showing his faith. And James chapter 2 tells us, in the absence of our showing of our faith, those words, we really don't have faith that's pleasing to God. We have a dead faith. Let's make sure we don't have a dead faith as we're here trying to serve our Heavenly Father. Have those works. Therefore, having been justified by faith, works is implied. Immersion is implied. It doesn't have to say it every single time because you're already supposed to know those things. For therefore, Paul is talking to the church in Rome. They've already been immersed. They've already taken those steps. He's telling them that they can be justified when you fall short to come back by trusting in God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How about peace? Standing before God, I've made this example many times, standing before God in a judgment scene or a judgment setting, having a conversation with your friend. <laughs> there is a, 
it's a funny song, and and the name of the the name of the one who sings it just escaped me. Jerry Reed. There you go. Jerry Reed sings a song when his when his when his friend is the judge, and he gets caught gambling, and he goes before that judge, his friend, and his friend the judge gives him ninety days, and he wants to take him out back and 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 knock that old robe off his back, don't he? At the end of that song. That's, <laughs> that's not this type of friend. We need, to have, we need to have that friendship with God. How are we to have that friendship with God if we fight Him every step of the way? If we're arguing with Him every step of the way? If we have a hard heart as people, how are we going to allow Him to be our friend? Whenever Jesus speaks of speaks to His disciples... And he calls them, no longer do I call you servants, but now I call you friends. I could just see the looks on their faces like, well, what, are you, what, what are you talking about? Said, well, a servant doesn't know what the master's doing, but a friend does. Are we fully aware of what Jesus is doing for us right now? He's our, one, our propitiation. He's our go-between. He's the one allowed justification to be available by the shedding of His blood. As we learn in Hebrews chapter 10, we can be an enemy of God. Don't be an enemy of God. Because if you find yourself outside of your faith, outside of trusting in God enough to be obedient to His commands, if you find yourself outside altogether, you should consider yourself an enemy of God. With that fiery indignation which will devour you, you being an adversary of God. <clears throat> this act that the Son of God did by allowing His blood to be shed, how do you consider that? Common? Well, of course not. That's the most precious thing has ever existed here upon this earth. Gold's pretty, pretty expensive these days, right? I only know what the worth of an ounce of gold is. I know it's, it's on up there, right? So we think about this. Well, I do. The most precious thing here on this earth is a precious metal, right? How about ever existed? It's not man-made. It's God-made. When God made His only begotten Son, that is the most precious thing that has ever existed here upon this earth. Ever. And ever will. Because guess what it does? Guess what first off the life of Jesus does? It shows us how to live. It shows us how to take care of one another. It shows us how to have compassion on those who are outside. Those who are sick and, and meekly. And those who need spiritual mending. It shows us, Christ's life shows us how we are to admonish and administer to these folks. We see what his life does. How about his death? And I know a lot of folks like to put uh, weights and measures on life and death. If we were to do that, his death was more important than his life. Think about it. Yes, he made some wonderful examples. And he, he does some wonderful teaching in his, 
short ministry here upon this earth. But the Holy Spirit could have talked to the apostles and taught those, taught those things, which he did. And here we are reading from the writing of Paul right here through the inspiration of God, and we're learning. But how about the absence of Christ's death? The absence of His sacrifice on that cross. It'd be, what's, what's the point? If Christ's blood had never been shed, and our sins could never be washed away, what's the point? There is no point. There would be no point of being spiritually minded because the promise wouldn't even, wouldn't even come close to it. We couldn't, we couldn't achieve it. But his blood was shed. It was. It was shed for you. It was shed for me. It was shed for those folks who are spitting in his face right now by sinning, or actively sinning and being dead in their sins. Those who are lost. He died for them. He died for me when I was yet a sinner. He, was die, he died for you while you was yet a sinner. Think about it. He allowed us an opportunity to be justified. Isn't that wonderful? We uh, here at Booth Chapel like to describe or define justification. I know it popped into y'all's mind, right? Just as if it never happened. And that's what justification is. Standing before God in that judgment scene, talking to your friend because you're justified. Well, that sounds wonderful. How do I get there? I want to be able to talk to God because if I'm going to talk to Him and give an account of things, what I've done, whether good or bad, I'd like to have a, a wonderful conversation about the good things that I've done. Well, all of us do. How do I get there? Put His Son on and serve Him faithfully for the rest of your life. That's it. That's it. Now that's easier said than done, though. And that's what that's that's what he tells us to do. Sometimes we we fail miserably. Therefore, First John one seven teaches it that uh, the blood of Christ not only is a initial cleansing, it's a continual cleansing. What, what does that mean? Uh, initial, uh, initial and continual. Here you go. An initial cleansing is when you are immersed or when you're dipped into that pool of water and you're buried with Christ in baptism, guess what? Your sins are washed away. All those sins that you're guilty of, they're gone. No longer held accountable for it. God remembers them no more. But then you've taken some steps and you've had to make some choices. You've said some things and you're, you're all over the place. You sin. After that act, we do. So how do I become justified yet again? By confessing your sins. First off, repenting. We get it right. By repenting of your sins. That is to turn away, of course. When you turn away from those sins, there's a few more steps. There's a couple, actually. When you confess that sin. And if, if this was a public sin, it needs to be confessed in a public manner. You find this in 1 John chapter 1. So we find also that if we ask anything of the Father in Christ's name, guess what? It'll be given to you. When you ask for forgiveness, 
they will be given. And there was a comment that was made a few weeks ago. I'm thankful that comment was made. If you are deserving of it, think about that. I want you to wrap your mind around. Says, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What are you talking about deserving? All, all of us are deserving of repentance and confession. All of us are deserving of forgiveness. Not so much. Let's get a, more, a little bit more personal. Let's get on our level because our minds can't wrap around God's thinking 100%. We can wrap, around, wrap, wrap our minds around our thinking as people and our instructions as the church. Whenever Paul writes to the church in Corinth the first time, what's happening in the church? Y'all remember that? That was a few, that was a few chapters, a few, a few books ago in our studies here at Booth Chapel, but here we go. There was sin in the church, and they were condoning that sin by allowing it to happen. Okay. Whenever Paul wrote to the church, he was aware of what was happening. He told them to stop. Get that sin out of the church. Therefore, if you don't get that sin out of the church, it'll no longer be the church. For Jesus will reach in and take His candlestick out and your status of His church will no longer exist. Paul tells them that. So we see us not being able to or not having the permission to condone sin. So therefore, if we're imitators of Christ, or imitators of God as dear children, so if... We can't condone sin. Do you think God's going to condone it? No, sir, no man, he is not. He actually hates it. He hates it. Remember back in, the, in Genesis? What brought the flood on? It was the wickedness of men's hearts continually. Everybody had completely gotten away from God. They was going their own way. How much does that happen today? It's a lot. Folks are slowly getting more and more away from God day by day. Their hearts and their minds are slowly in, in a departure sense. So God can't condone sin, neither can we. Even in our own lives. So we need to do some self-reflection sometime and, and purge those sins out. To be justified means faithful observance to God's commands, repenting of our sins, and getting right in the eyes of God. And in chapter 5, verse 2, through whom, Jesus Christ, also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Right. through Jesus we have access by faith alright let's bring this to light in the absence of your faith you don't have Christ plainly spoken do you got to have faith do you got to believe in Christ to access the promise yes Right, so in, if you trust in Christ enough to believe that, well, let's see. If you believe in Christ enough to change your life, change your ways, according to God's Word, do you have access to that promise? Yes, sirs, and yes, ma'ams, you do.
So as we change ourselves, now I know this happens. Unfortunately, this happens. People want to change God's Word. They want to change it. Therefore, they want to, they want to alter it because this is old writing. This is, this is old new. This is way back when. We don't even think that way no more. I've heard these uh, reasons for changing God's Word. <laughs> no. Sin was sin then. Sin is sin today. Just because society changes does not give us the right to change God's Word. We can't. That's like us being the clay trying to change the potter. We don't have that authority. God is the potter. We are the clay. He's the one that has authority over us. We are the ones that change. When we hear from God the instructions that I'm wrong and I, and I need to change, I need to make those changes. So justification can be applied to. Justification is not automatic. It's not. If, if justification was automatic, why is there a lake of fire? Why, is, why was Satan cast out? Why do we hear of sons of disobedience? Why, why do we hear those things in the Bible? Because justification is not automatic. It's not. Abraham was considered the friend of God. What's our status? We see Abraham trusting in God enough to be faithful. What does that say about us? We see Jesus Christ coming to this earth, trusting in God enough to be faithful. What does that say about us? Are we that type of faithful? Because we have access to this faith through Christ. We have an opportunity to believe in Him. We have an opportunity to put our trust and our hope into Him. Through Him, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Let's look at God's grace. To, to the best of our ability. Let's look at His grace. We have been graced with many blessings here upon this earth. God's grace is extended unto us whether we like it or not. You realize you breathing today is part of God's grace. Think about that. In the absence of you being able to breathe, you wouldn't exist. I think it's, I, 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 this is my input here. I think it's amazing that where the earth is in the universe, it's able to sustain life. No other planet have we yet found anywhere else in this big, huge place We'll do so. If we go anywhere else, we would perish. If the earth moved just a little bit one way or the other, we would all perish, whether we'd burn up or freeze to death. It's in a perfect place in the orbit of the sun to maintain life. You think that just happened? You think that just some by a big bang or whatever that just happened I disagree it's the power of God actually it's the power of Jesus Christ that consists and exists and consists 
We have been blessed with God's grace. So let's go a little bit deeper in God's grace. How about the opportunity to have your consciences cleared? The reason why I say that. You may have done something that's, that's really picking at you. You know, I shouldn't have done that. That, that, was, that wasn't good. That, that sinful act is, is picking at me. Well, you're guilty of it. That's, that's what's picking at you. That, that thought that's, that's, that's picking at your brain says, you need to get rid of it. Uh, very close, just recently happened, I got a splinter in my finger, in my thumb. It's a wood splinter. I, a piece of plywood, grabbed across it, and it went. Did it hurt? Oh, yes, it hurt. You ever tried to dig a splinter out with a pocket knife? That's all I had. It just keeps getting deeper. So I just let it alone. Just let it alone. Let it fester up and let it push its way out. I think it's about its own way on its way out. Sin cannot be that way. Sin will fester, but it won't push itself out. We have to deal with it. We have to get it corrected. Could I could I wish I'd go back and say, hey, don't do that? I, I wish I could, because it remove that thing in my finger, right? We can get right in the eyes of God if we so choose to. And there lies the problem. People today, when I say people, I mean society, those who are not of God's children. People today choose not to change. I don't see anything wrong with what I'm doing. Well, of course you're not. You don't have the right direction. You're not using the right instruction manual. Listen to what God's instruction was and His grace will be extended unto you. To have your sins remitted a part of that grace. To lay our heads down on our pillow at night knowing that if we fall asleep and never wake again, we will be justified. Isn't that pleasing? Isn't that wonderful? Only a child of God has that option. Only. I know there are a lot of folks who are are misleading themselves and say, oh, it's okay. God's just going to save everybody. (laughs) No, he's not. I can honestly say that. No, he is not. His grace is extended to his children. Notice also what it says, in which we stand. Whenever uh, Paul writes the church in Ephesus, he talks about the whole armor of God. You remember that study? You studied it many times. I know you studied it many times as well. The whole armor of God in which you are able to do what? Stand. Stand. By God's grace, we are able to stand until the day of judgment. But the next thought is encouraging. Notice what's said in verse 2 of Romans chapter 5. Right about middle ways. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We had a good example this morning of rejoice. We had a good discussion about rejoice this morning. It's, It's a little bit higher than happy. To rejoice in something whether it be a, uh, a newborn baby coming into the family 
someone getting sick, making it to your destination this morning in your travels, taking the break to rejoice. This doesn't compare to the rejoicing that God's glory whenever it comes. When Christ is glorified the third time, when He comes to this earth and reclaims those who are His and takes everybody home. Is that a rejoicing thought? Or is it terrifying? If it's terrifying, make a change. It can be rejoicing. It can be, that's what I'm yearning for. That's what I'm waiting for. I know this is a, 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 a bit of a dark thought, but that's not a problem. It's not. That's going to be there for every single one of us. Hebrews 9.27 For it's appointed for men to die once and after this the judgment. We're all going to die. It's, it's, a, well, it's appointed for us all to die. Now Christ is going to come back. There's some folks who are still going to be living. So. But where will you stand in judgment day? Justified or not? All right. Uh, the next thought is redeemed. I'm going to have to go through this really fast. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. <clears throat> blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy without blame before him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of His grace by which He made us accepted in the blood. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, which He made to abound toward us in our wisdom and prudence. Did you hear what Paul just said to the church in Ephesus? In him we have redemption through his blood. Again, how do you access his blood? Baptism. Does separation happen after immersion? It does when sin arrives. Whenever Paul said, he's making account of when he knew he had sinned and it killed him. But by God's grace, he was revived. And he's able to stand in that grace. So my question for you this evening. Redemption is available. Justification is available. Will you take hold of it? Will you take hold of it by immersion, becoming a child of God, being baptized for the remission of sins, and taking those steps forward in the glory of God. Excuse me, the grace of God. Waiting for His glory. And folks, my mind goes to Colossians 3 and 4. I know I use that verse often. When Christ, who is our life, appears, 
being justified, being redeemed. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then we shall also appear with Him in glory when Christ is glorified the third time. Where would you stand when Christ comes back? You want to stand on a rock? Or stand out there and say, come on, let's go. Because I'm ready. Are you ready for him to come? We sing a wonderful song. Wonderful song. Are you ready? That's a wonderful question because we don't know when he's coming. So we need to continually be ready. Whether it be in the first watch, the second, or the third. Blessed is that servant whom the master comes finds watching. We need to be found watching, not sleeping at the wheel. To be redeemed, to be justified. Both one and the same, but blessings from God. Does that need to happen this evening as we stand, as we sing the song of invitation?